0: previously on 94 chill the podcast
1: these children are going to the most glamorous of all summer camps camp mohawk there's a two-year waiting list and every child has to be voted in on top of all that it costs one thousand dollars a week to go to camp mohawk the question is is it worth a thousand dollars a week it sure is It's the best darn camp there is. Well, are you connected with Camp Mohawk? Well, I think so. I'm the program director, Jerry Aldean. Well, how do you justify $1,000 a week? Well, we have some special programs. Uh, We're doing Shakespeare in the Round again this year, of course. Uh, Our political roundtable, Henry Kissinger, will appear. Yasser Arafat is going to come out, spend a weekend with the kids, just rap with them. That's amazing. And the kids wanted animals, so this year each camper will stalk and kill his own bear in our private wildlife preserve. Are you sure the children can, uh, can hack that? We'll see. But the real excitement, of course, is going to come at the end of the summer, uh, during Sexual Awareness Week. We import 200 hookers from around the world, and each camper, armed with only a thermos of coffee and $2,000 cash, tries to visit as many countries as he can. And the winner, of course, is named king of Sexual Awareness Week and is allowed to rape and pillage the neighboring towns until camp ends. That's incredible.
0: What do you expect for a $1,000 a week? Hey, you have a good summer too, huh? Yeah, it still screws with me whenever I hear that now. (laughs) So, welcome to 90 for Chill, the podcast. And this week we're kind of doing a backdoor way of talking about a 1984 uh, comedy classic, which I don't think... Anything really compares to it still, um, which was directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Harold Ramis, starring Bill Murray, and you know, throwing Dan Aykroyd and some other uh, Second City folks, and you yeah, have a podcast that's probably would have been better timed uh, if we were waiting for Ghostbusters Afterlife, but so, and. This week, um, it's a newer format for me because I may have run into you in passing, but um, my guest is Andrew, uh, and I don't want to screw up that pronunciation of last name.
1: Everyone does. It's pronounced T D. It's spelled not T D, but it's German, so of course it's Goopy.
0: Oh yeah, now you're talking to somebody whose last name is Stevens, who gets so upset when I see it spells the ph <laughs> and you got to blame the krauts for that one oh yeah so uh just to get right into it then um well I guess uh you know a little about yourself I kind of found you through a little bit of mutual friends all with a comedy background or some extent
1: yeah I've been doing stand-up off and on for about five years um currently in an off period because i need to do some writing
0: Mm. but yeah
1: stand up in the central illinois champagne area uh just like being funny
0: well that's well you if you don't want to be funny then you then i don't know what's the point of living in all honesty can't take anything too seriously so um my closest connection to the uh champagne scene is uh the, uh, Tuttle brothers, which yeah. I, uh, I got to know back when they were the Phoenix twins on the, uh, independent wrestling circuit.
1: You have known them for a hot minute. Yeah. Um, I only learned about the uh, Phoenix twins after knowing them for a little bit and through some YouTube videos. Uh, but yeah, I've known them for about six or seven years now. Great guys. Love working with them. Mm-hmm. Run the best open mic around. Awesome guys.
0: Oh, no, I've seen them, uh, to uh, open a lot of acts up of, of at the uh, jukebox comedy club, originally from Peoria. So, gotcha. Um, yeah, good bunch of guys. Um, I mean, uber talented. I mean, they could have. They were. They were. They were going pretty, pretty hard there, wrestling wise, and you know, you could usually get a get on the big stage twin gimmick for a year or two. So. Oh yeah but um so so uh i guess we'll just go right into um you know how we're gonna get to the uh, final destination here um which kind of like i guess that'd be the next step in uh sci-fi i mean horror comedy is trying to get from saturday night live to uh final destination i guess uh David Koechner is the closest thing we have to that, but yeah. So we have Saturday Night Live in 1975. You know, it started in '74, and you know by '79, every well '78 really, um, we start getting uh, movies starring these uh, guys. And you got two names in common, at least from the creative standpoint, I think, or I guess from the artist standpoint, you got John Landis and you have Ivan Reitman. Uh, Ivan Reitman was a producer of uh, up until Animal House. I would say he was probably best known for his Cronenberg uh, films, Shivers and Rabid. Shivers is a easy classic. Rabid. Kind of like the remake a little more, but I mean, there's some better scenes in the original Rabid, but you know, any chance you get to see a mall Santa just randomly mowed down is yeah, that,
1: that's definitely a highlight. Um, uh, almost up there with uh, the garbage day line from Silent Light Silent Night Two, I believe.
0: Oh. Haven't gotten around to the silent night, deadly night series. They're, they're kind of hard to track down. They've always been hard to track down and, you know, uh, living in the Midwest, there's, we know the reasons why and such. Oh yeah. yeah. So, um, well, it gets us to, so Ivan, so Ivan Reitman producer, John Landis, the director, and then you'd go to 1980, well, 1979, you get to see uh, Ivan Reitman's first effort with Bill Murray, uh, Meatballs, which is a whole classic. Uh, yeah, it's a classic. Um, not, and I guess after uh, doing some research for this, I can't really say Ivan Reitman was ever really a great director. I think he
1: he had the embarrassment of riches of directing great actors.
0: Yes, but. I mean, once we tried running it back in 2001, I think it was, with Evolution.
1: Yeah, that that was kind of the uh, peek peak behind the curtain of realizing, oh, so it was Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and all these other great actors that made his movies, you know, the memorable classics that they are. Not knocking Evolution that much because it was entertaining, but oh, it, yeah. it, it doesn't hold up to his previous works
0: no no um and i can't really say i've seen too much i mean since i'm focusing on you know sub 100 minute movies uh i can't really say i've seen you know had to go and watch too many of his other features um i mean he's got twins he's got kindergarten cop i mean he i mean i guess he was just your go-to this guy is not gonna screw it up
1: right if you if you want to comedy with a little bit of heart in it he was your guy back in the 80s and 90s.
0: so so uh but when you look at his classics Harold Ramis is not too far far removed I know no. he didn't uh Reitman wasn't involved with Caddyshack but I mean that that really I think
1: in the same vein of a Reitman movie um yes. with Harold Ramis directing it and um
0: they work together on Animal House so yeah So, and, uh, I mean, I, and I rewatched Caddyshack and there's, it is more about its scenes than it is about narrative. Um, plenty of stories about how they really just had to keep shooting extra stuff for it. It was so thin.
1: Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's classic stories from some of the caddy actors talking about how, you know, the first day was a central, uh, focus of the movie written by Don Kenny and, um, bill murray's brother uh patrick doyle murray yeah but it, 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 but when you have chevy chase and you have rodney dangerfield and you have bill murray in the in their heyday obviously the shit focus of the movie is going to shift to those characters
0: yes uh and i think that's where i have prefer meatballs just because uh i mean the i can't really say it has a you know solid protagonist in it but you kind of just head to circle you know just head back to rudy and rudy right. is dependent on bill murray to work
1: right and they they try to do that with the um daniel O'Keefe character and um uh chevy chase a little bit yeah it, it doesn't quite flow as good as like you're saying the rudy and bill murray dynamic at well
0: I don't know. I, I rewatched it and like Rodney Dangerfield, this is like, I think it was really his first movie.
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was his first thing out of stand-up and uh, late night occurrences.
0: Right. So, um, I think he kind of almost kind of takes away, like if you had a, somebody different who wasn't so dependent on, uh, you know, your classic, uh,
1: I don't know. I kind of like the Roddy Dangerfield stick. You know, some some of my favorite lines in that movie are like, "Hey, take the stick back. I can see the marks where the jockey was hitting it." You know, "Oh, look at this hat. Oh, it looks good on you, sir." Yeah.
0: No. the The line. The I'm saying from a narrative standpoint, if we we would have gone with uh, trying to think of somebody, somebody to fill in that role, and it's kind of kind of uh difficult when you have Ted Baxter. as a guy who's definitely not what he was on Mary Tyler Moore. Right. So
1: but, Well then you bring up an interesting question like who from that time could you even see doing that role? Like I I have a hard time fathoming anyone I could see other than Roddy Dangerfield in that role.
0: Well, yeah, well I guess my imme- like maybe somebody from uh um Second City uh, the Canadian version, um, like John Candy, John Candy, maybe, I'm not, sure.
1: yeah. I automatically go to John Candy when you say that,
0: yeah. I mean, I'd like to say, well, the easy answer is Belushi, but right, that's 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 like that's the ultimate crutch, <laughs> right? I mean, it is good of a plebeian actor, and
1: really, if you see some of his dramatic stuff, also, you could do real acting, it, it just just kind of seemed like the automatic go to comedy crush to just throw Belushi into any uh, yes. classic comedy.
0: Right. I mean the only the only real mark on him, on him would be neighbors and uh, I haven't taken the time to rediscover that one. <laughs>
1: I watched that about ten years ago and it what I could see why it gets panned but it's still I didn't think it was that bad for what it was.
0: Well I mean it's inch I mean that's the only time Aykroyd's really gotten to play the non straight guy. I mean, unless you know, you got nothing but trouble. I was
1: about to say nothing but trouble, which I really didn't think I was gonna think about that movie today because I tried not to think about
0: that movie. Okay, that I, I uh my my older my older sister is um is a was a huge mer- movie movie nut. Um and Asperger's on top of that. So I got to hear all the reviews since she wasn't really a social person. So I got to hear it all secondhand. So I saved myself from a lot of, dodged a lot of bullets, I think.
1: (laughs) What drives me nuts about that movie is you had Chevy Chase, who, yes, his star was starting to wane a little bit at that point, but he still had a lot of uh, comedy clout. You had Dan Aykroyd, you had uh, John Candy. Yeah. You had Demi Moore. And hell, you even had a guest appearance by Digital Underground. And I'm still trying to figure out how that movie became that.
0: Well, I mean, 1989. I mean, it's kind of. Uh, Ackroyd was kind of dependent on the sequel, I think, to Ghostbusters, and I think he was just screwing around otherwise. Because I think, isn't it Ackroyd as the director on that one? Or,
1: um, I know he. I know he was a writer. I can't remember if he directed that one or not. Um. On, Again, sorry I didn't prepare for that because, like I said, oh, it, no, I mean I, 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 it's a, prepare for a nothing but trouble. That's just not no, something I'm no, doing. I.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we're just we're just going. You know, uh, I all all I've got to my movie credentials is a couple couple of professors at ICC. See, see, I should just say instructors. I don't want to. I I did run into those uh uh instructors who. Wanted to flaunt their doctorate at Illinois Central College. Um,
1: yeah, but the one place you should flaunt a doctorate would be Illinois Central. College.
0: Yes, good old I can count, <laughs> ICC. <laughs> Harvard on the Hill. Um, so, which, uh, I mean, all I did was write a great paper comparing uh, juice to, comparing contrasting juice to angels with 30 faces. And, um, just impressed, okay. just impressed the mass comm teacher enough with uh, all the film analyzing. Um, so I admit, I'm not uh, not my strong suit. Went back to I'm college, cool. went back there to try being a screenwriter. And of course, by the time I get that class, to, it was so tedious, I dropped it, so.
1: There you go. Yeah, and I should say that my film credentials just comes from the fact that I just watched a epic butt ton of movies in my life. I've uh, been, I was in the army and deployed to Iraq twice. And all you really have to do is just watch the same DVDs over and over. Oh. So yeah, I, I am well versed as a official couch potato movie junkie. Those are my movie credentials.
0: Mm. Yeah. So
1: I have a book, uh, I have a book, how to write screenwriting, uh, screenwriting for dummies, but that, that that's as close as I've ever gone into educating myself in the film uh, world.
0: Well, I mean, ironic. Coincidentally, and I'm not gonna do that Alanis Morissette bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, my wrestling, my first wrestling gimmick was uh, based around the Complete Idiot's Guide to Professional Wrestling. That was nah, my that was my prop, and just uh, I don't think well rest, Wrestling for me was difficult just because I was a you know, tough man fighter and a wrestler, a high school wrestler, you know, a legit, trying to be a legit bad, badass, And then I get it. Then I find that as my gimmick and they just lean into the chicken shit portion of it and get a little frustrated about that. Yeah. But, um, no, bl- all, all the blame for the lack of a uh, career is on me though. Uh, but I do do the, uh, do live by the, do have my wrestling gear bag in the trunk. <laughs> i'm you know i don't consider myself retired i'm like 7 11 i might not be working but i'm always open so nice yeah and and nice boondock states reference yes I do my do my best to recognize the first one <laughs> i mean i saw the second one in theaters and so you were the one <laughs> yeah um uh, actually, another guest on the podcast, Joe Joe Goldwitzer, did too. But yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, we know why Troy Duffy is not not around. <laughs> yeah, talk talk about a meltdown. Oh, well, I I don't I don't know if he just thought that since he was able to sell it that he thought he was Tarantino right away or.
1: I mean, the dude makes arguably arguably one of the biggest cult classics of the uh, 1990s. Yeah, um, fantastic movie. I hell, I even have the McManus brother prayer tattooed on my ribcage. That's how much of the movie that uh,
0: impact that movie made on me. Oh well, I have got it memorized. That's all I can. <laughs> Had the poster no, out for I, a while. I, I
1: committed the ink. Um, but yeah, I, but he he makes this movie when it should have never been a success, but it was. And his head and. Explo- almost imploded with how fast it's
0: expanded well he was a he was a, he was a pain to uh, deal with though to begin with I mean it got like it could have been bigger if he wouldn't have screwed around with the Weinsteins I mean they're the first people that got it
1: right and yeah. to, to be fair I mean you know knowing what we know about the Weinsteins not, or at not, least yeah. the Weinsteins. now.
0: No, You know, no, you no,
1: probably probably take them for a few extra bucks. But yeah, back then, yeah. With, you know, go to the Kevin Smith route if you're dealing with the Weinsteins. Be humble, be gracious, and then we'll work towards bigger projects next time.
0: Right. Yeah, you just... Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Cubs fan, Tuffy Rhodes, debut, three home runs. And, right, right. You know, so, but, uh, all right. So now we, that's, that's what I like about podcasting. Those, the tangents, uh, especially when we're not really experts <laughs> or can claim to no. be no, no. So, um, we, we got so, but you know, nothing but trouble gave us boondock saints. I think, uh, we, we shine that turd up pretty well.
1: We, we did polish that turd quite nicely. I think we've given, um, nothing but trouble the most publicity has had in 20 years.
0: Yeah, that is definitely, definitely there. And, uh, see, seeing my, seeing my, uh, podcast numbers, it, it gets weird when you go to the, to my, uh, my source Podbean. but like, yeah, I know it's doing better than that, but uh, <laughs> it's still, you know, eh, 300 people. Okay. <laughs> They had to go through that trip with us so <laughs> um so we're so yeah ackroyd so that was about ackroyd and not being a, you know his inability to be the uh to branch you know branch out from the straight man situation and um but again it's it's kind of a parallel path though because I say john landis is the other driving force behind getting these uh saturday night live guys to the uh, top uh with the blues brothers obviously belushi landis worked with ramus and reitman of course with um animal house and i i you know these guy the these guys are a pain in the ass for the concept of 90 for chill um just because they're so funny, it's very difficult to to want to cut anything they offer. Right, I mean, Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers is Illinois's greatest movie. There's no question exactly, about yeah. that.
1: It's just but, a giant love letter to Illinois.
0: Yeah, but it's still really two hours. Like, I mean,
1: and back then they weren't making two hour comedies. They were barely making ninety minute comedies. Back right. Then.
0: Yeah. So. And I'm, and no, I wouldn't. I can't think of anything. I would cut. You know, the only thing I could say that you could cut would be musical numbers. But that's
1: but that, that is part of the charm of the movie. Yeah. You know, as soon as you said musical number, the first thing I thought of was Aretha Franklin singing in a diner. Right?
0: Yes, it's, and you know, for being a Illinois guy who, you know, g- spent a good portion you know my 20s going to chicago every weekend wrestling related for the most part you know getting to learn that area i'm in Ch- you know when i decided to get that change of scenery from peoria it was like what to what areas do i know how to get around and it was champagne and uh, champaign champagne urbana and um chicago land but you know, I'm f- afraid of the yeah, money I'll be making
1: you made the better decision. Um, I love Chicago, but I will not drive there. Um, I, my ex-wife and I, she had family in Chicago and okay. I said, you, can you there as often as you want, but you're doing the driving. The traffic is horrible. Uh, the train situation weirds me out. I, I grew up in a town of a thousand people. So Chicago to me is just insane.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I, no, most people, I mean, I know plenty of people from my hometown of Morton, uh, which is, which is 15,000. Uh, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of people come right back. <laughs> you know, some of them are, you know, big fish and little ponds people. A lot of them just can't, uh, can't uh, adjust to it. For me, choosing Champagne was like, well, the money I'll be making, this is probably the safer area right and uh i don't <laughs> <every> department <laughs> complex has I've, I've had to deal with the cops some point and uh yeah um check
1: local cop. listings check local listings but if you see the local champagne news it, there's always a very down story we'll put it that way it seems like about once or twice a week yeah and the word shot shots fired are way too often
0: Yes, um, kind of glad that I just cut off Comcast uh, cable TV, and my dad hooked me up with a VPN, so <laughs> I don't really have to worry about hearing the hearing about that except when I go to work and somebody's uh, got the police tr- tracker on at the bank. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, we got um, so I mean Chicago. De- Chicago is definitely a great place to visit. There's no question about that. I think we can all agree upon that.
1: Oh yeah, they got Cubs games and pizza.
0: Uh I don't know. I'm more in the that's that's a casserole, but or, or is I'm not a casserole. It's a <laughs> uh, no.
1: I've, I've heard it called a casserole. I've heard it called a bread bowl. Yeah. I I call it pizza because I'm not picky. I it's tasty. I'll eat it. Bring it on.
0: Well, I guess I guess my thing is that it took a long time before you could get Chicago style pizza, say at Wrigley Field, you know. Sure. Not really practical when you can just get your crappy little Connies or
1: Well, I don't know. They got they got some really uh quality nachos there now. It's one of the oh. big uh things they're they're pumping these days.
0: Yeah, no, I've uh well, no, I, I usually stop by, get a bison dog whenever I'm up there, but huh? uh, definitely not the Wrigleyville I used to love, though. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I mean ever since they put the, put the scoreboards up, it kind of like.
1: Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of diehards, you know, poo-poo that.
0: But, I mean, and I, I guess it's just a, you know, a lot of the old stores I would go and visit after the games, they're not there anymore. It's getting a little too high class for me. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, that is the, uh, it's probably the greatest joke in Illinois cinema is they don't have my, li- they don't have my address. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. But um, so I mean, then we so we're going from, I guess the only stop in between here and the destination uh, would be stripes, which is that is kind of the I guess you kind of say the dress rehearsal for Ghostbusters in a sense. Yeah, because again,
1: you had Harold Ramis doing a lot of the writing on that one. Um,
0: Rightman directing.
1: Wrightman directing. Uh, it was, a, I, I believe, it was the first time the three of those guys got together. Yep. For, yeah, Project That were all on the same page, so to speak. Right. Yeah, and, and of course, again, again with comedy legends like John Candy and whatnot
0: in it. Yeah, John Larroquette. all right. Yeah, very.
1: I I actually enjoy that character. I think he's a smarmy straight man. He did a great job in that role. Um, it, it's definitely like I said, I was in the army. It's definitely a movie that we quote a lot. No, okay. I'm, a, I'm a bigger, huskier guy. So like when John Candy's like, you know, I figure, you know, I join the army and lose a few pounds, and you know that I, that resonated with me.
0: Yeah. Um again that that one does feel long i don't think there's any way to too many movies i think in that one um
1: yeah because they spend they spend you know a good chunk of time on the training portion and then they spend an, an equal amount of time on them out of basic training yeah so it was, it, it, yeah you're right it was it was almost like a tale of two movies right I mean, you, you,
0: you want an action movie, movie.
1: right <laughs> It was two good movies, but it was also two. I don't want to say butting of heads, like I said, with the second half of the movie. But um yeah, I like I said, it's still one of my favorite movies. But it it definitely does kind of have a slight. I don't want I don't want to use the word identity crisis midway through, but it, it definitely does shift tones.
0: Yeah, there's uh, but uh, that the biggest thing, I mean, stripes. And this is a thing, I think, with uh, the comedies of the early 80s involving the Star Night Live characters, uh, actors. Parents just didn't give a damn if their kids saw it.
1: Well, you got to remember, PG-13 didn't even exist at that point. PG-13 not yeah, until about three or four years later with Gremlins and
0: Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Right. But what I'm getting at is stripes is a definite R. Oh, yeah caddyshack uh i was kind of like okay did we really need to well it, it's twelve thirty, and i'm watching this so maybe we needed the boobs there but it's um
1: as, as a image as a perpetual uh, immature teenager
0: i think we always need the boobs but uh, you see i've had they, but add... i agree they don't they don't add to the common. right i've written blogs also too and no i can't i can't i can say they're so brisk and. um such brisk breast in
1: yeah, in Caddyshack, they're almost blinking missing boots.
0: Yeah, um, but it's kind of uh, I had a thought, but it's just kind of like, you know, th- these when you look at when you didn't go to Stripes and it's like
1: the mud wrestling scene.
0: Mud wrestling, well, John Larroquette doing the uh,
1: per- perving from the showers.
0: Yeah, it's like. Yeah.
1: You could you, you could work with the mud wrestling scene. Right. The the shower scene is a little gratuitous. Yeah. I mean, again, granted, you know, ten year old me watching that when my parents weren't home thought it was the greatest thing ever. But again, right.
0: Granted. Right. No, I I guess my thing would be uh just I I guess I I've written about it. It's like I am all about gratuitous nudity. Just um, sex scenes seems like eh I don't. I just can't come up with three, three, four pages to fill this script up. <laughs> right. so, I mean, there, there, there's, there,
1: are, there are scenes in comedy movies where, you know, the nudity helps with the joke. Um yeah. 40-year-old Virgin did a really good job with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um But then, you know, like I said, sometimes you're having boobs for the sake of boobs. And, you know, like I said, I I, I, I appreciate nudity in films as long as it's warranted. Like I said, I don't think you could do a Porky's without nudity. No. Did, it get a little, did it get a little far with the nudity in Porky's? Absolutely. But again, I don't think you can do Porkies without some form of nudity.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I, well, I just I'm just saying, I don't really, you know, I, I'm, uh, if you're, you're if you want, if you're going to do an art, yeah, give us everything. But yeah. I'm just saying sex scenes, that's where I was kind of like, most of those don't actually add anything unless you do a montage during it like rapid fire with brandon lee
1: <laughs> or or uh deadpool comes to mind
0: yes yes oh that 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 is right i mean it's easy you can obviously say monster ball that aggressive thing sure. is something yeah but uh, as i say new boobs can be put anywhere i mean it's kind of like the classic guy with his dick out during a uh, teen wolf you know which I, I i'm haven't.
1: still trying to figure out he had to have paid an editor because there's no way that it got we should have gotten that far into the process
0: yeah yeah but i'm just saying it's it's kind of like eh, if it's there it's there right um but so but as i say though when uh so i'm 41 so well, Lord knows I wouldn't be able to pay it. I, who knows? I may have actually seen Stripes at one years old. You know, my my mom said if it wasn't for HBO, she wouldn't know how she'd survive the pregnancies. Um, But I don't know. I was raised as the second oldest child, but the child who seemed the most normal. I, I got like, I couldn't see R-rated movies till I was 17 and...
1: I can remember watching um, Barbarella with my old man when I was probably seven years old. And for those of you who have not seen the classic uh, sci-fi movie, Barbarella, the first five minutes of the opening credits is a woman floating around undressing and naked in space.
0: Yes, yes. Um, You got to admire the Fondas. I mean, they have such a legacy, but they're not afraid to to do that weird stuff. Um, but I, I I don't know I I would think that Barbarella still got a got this is this is where we get into that weird realm of uh, PG without a PG thirteen right because <laughs> I think it's still a PG and then you even have the orgasm scene uh, yeah,
1: well, with- back then R required like blood and guts like sex didn't fall like it, 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 you weren't going to get a G obviously with yeah. a Barbarella but you would get a very strong PG.
0: Right. Um like my dad back in Peoria every Thanksgiving, um one of the local radio stations like after at, at noon every Thanksgiving would play the entire Alice's Restaurant song.
1: We, we have a station here in Champaign that does the same thing.
0: Oh, now I'm glad you've been down here 5 years and I'm still learning stuff. Um <laughs> so he eventually put the movie, got the VHS tape, put the movie on, and then I'm, like, thrown off by, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, does mom know about this?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, That's like you said, that's definitely one of those, okay, mom's not home, let's watch this movie.
0: Yeah. Um, But I think in back now the late 60s, like, my, it just reminds me of how, I have to get myself a copy of Putney Swope, if you've ever seen that one. It's uh, Robert Downey Sr. (laughs) Uh, My dad's favorite movie, but he didn't say that was his favorite movie until we were all, you know, 20, uh, you know, pretty much all us kids were 21, what he would say, and it was more of the political decision, uh, po- political call. His favorite movie, and I think we, you know, we're we're get, we're we go- I think we've gotten to the here. I don't think of anything between in '82 or '83 with our guys.
1: Not off the top of my head.
0: No, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, as I say, I I I will, you know, to get people on the podcast, I will. I think it's. The lawyer, my parents say I should have been. <laughs> I will try to weasel my way into anything. Um, and honestly, I, I looked at the time, and on this one, it's an hour forty-six.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a hair over the ninety-minute yeah. uh, requirement. Um,
0: I don't think, like I said, I don't think this movie goes on too long. Um, no, no, it's it's, it's honestly paid- got more stuff like. <laughs> It doesn't feel like it goes on too long, but this what's the beauty of it is, yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but there is a lot of stuff, a lot of acts. I mean, it's a yeah. and,
1: and for and people don't realize that Ghostbusters lives and dies by the fact that it's very expos expo, expositioning, if that's a word. You know, like there's a lot of exposition in that movie because you have to explain all these ghosts and you know supernatural lore, in addition to you know a screwball Bill Murray comedy.
0: Yeah. And I would love to see... Well, I mean, obviously, they... How they had to... I was at a, um, a Wizard World convention up in Chicago, and um, they had a panel with Ivan Reitman and Ernie Hudson. Okay. Uh, so, basically, an Ivan Reitman one. Sure. But, I mean... I wanted to go and drop questions on Ernie about uh, best of the best four, but <laughs> I mean, in, he had the crow. I, I'm kind of I kind of feel bad. I tried searching. I just did it on Siri on my Apple TV. Uh, Ernie Hudson, no results. So, oh wow. So it's like, what, Sony's got to deal with Apple, and this is like the old VHS where everything is pan and scan and, oh, Ernie Hudson's cut out? That's, that,
1: that, that's wild, man.
0: Yeah. The
1: movies he's been in, that, that's wild.
0: I know, I mean, you got The Crow... Um, Substitute... Yeah, oh. that that Now it's like, I gotta start looking down the times of those... Of the Substitute franchise. I mean, they're all bad movies, but... Oh, they... Horrible movies, but horrible in the best way possible. Yes. I mean... uh Especially the Treat Williams stuff, where he's beating kids off the yo-yo to,
1: like... Oh, I, for- I totally forgot about the yo-yo.
0: Yeah. um You know, seeing a guy get thrown through a... Uh... Well, you didn't get to see him, but it was a brilliant right. cut, but...
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Evil yeah. Mark Anthony, I mean... <laughs>
1: Yeah. Like, like the one time I actually like would look at Mark Anthony and actually like take him seriously. Cause you, you see him singing and you just, yeah it doesn't have the same gravitas.
0: No, no, no. Makes you wonder if JLo wasn't a fly girl and if she just did the Rosie Perez stuff instead, <laughs> how things would be different.
1: Uh, I, I honestly think that um, Mark Anthony was the lucky one in that thing. Like, I don't know if he was packing or what, but like how he landed J Lo, I'll never know.
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I, I don't. Know. Maybe it's. Just, I can understand. Yeah, I mean, I can understand uh, a Rod ending up with J Lo. I mean,
1: sure, good looking dude, rich yeah. as hell,
0: right? Athletes a little, little on the screwy side. He he
1: was the. I mean, now I, I can't speak for why they're together now. But you know, back in the you know twenty years ago, he was the actor de jour, so that kind of made sense.
0: Well, that well, actor de jour is and chicken noodle soup is your de jour. I mean, because
1: I, I didn't say I didn't say it was you know etouffee. I
0: no, was du no. Du I'm I'm just saying reindeer's games, man. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: I forgot. I I blocked that one from my memory.
0: Well, I mean. Boobs keep that in my mind, unfortunately. That's True. Yeah,
1: that—that that is the only reason I probably watched that movie to begin with.
0: But it um, good. it it but there's Atomic Blonde and Charlize Theron is a very brave actress. So, yeah, she
1: she she ain't afraid of shit.
0: Yeah. So, so we're um, so let's see, Ivan Reitman talking about Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Ghostbusters. I mean, had to. It was the first thing of its kind. I mean, it was originally supposed to be a space movie,
1: right? Because in the original Dan Aykroyd script, before Harold Ramis was brought on to help him rewrite, yeah, set in the future. There, you know, Sigourney Weaver's character was an alien. Uh, it, you know, they were more like supernatural janitors than they were paranormal eliminators.
0: Like, I guess, I guess that all ends up being Space Truckers by uh, directed by Stuart Gordon with Dennis Hopper and pre-blade steven dorf
1: <laughs> was, that, was that pre or post-blade
0: i, I think I wanna... it was pre 96 98 okay. okay,
1: Blade. That was, that was that was pre okay
0: yeah i mean it, it's it's worth a watch just for charles dance trying to get it trying to get it up <laughs> with is that uh... mean, the
1: the image of the square pig will never oh it, oh god that yeah it's burned in my brain
0: yeah um yeah, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, my my dad worked at CAT, so I didn't really have to worry about the, uh, ever seeing the uh, farmer's side of Illinois.
1: <laughs> I grew up on a farm, so I mean, that, that stuff never bothered me, just the image of a physically square. Right. square.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm getting at. It's not the, <laughs> it's not, it's not seeing a pig in a crate, it's seeing a.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Maximizing, I mean. I'm just wondering anything buddy from Tyson saw that and like this is what we gotta work towards.
1: I, I could see that. I, I I could definitely see them trying to make cube-shaped chickens.
0: Well, I mean, um, uh, Minecraft. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. That
1: might have been the inspiration.
0: Right, right. So yeah, it's supposed to be a space movie and then regardless they had to build pretty much their special effects from scratch oh yeah i mean you
1: know again early 80s you know special effects the way we think of them now are still in their infancy still doing a lot of matte painting stuff and you know rotoscoping and stuff like that as as opposed to pure cg
0: right but i mean even at that point um the only thing you had was lucas arts not not lucas
1: industrial magic
0: Uh, yeah ilm right so if you didn't get him on if you didn't want to spend the money to get him on board lucas on board like you ever
1: people that he had fired and any jim henson people you could find
0: yes and again they're all the leftover guys (laughs) Uh, i mean and uh i mean it's Ghostbusters just ends up being this anom- anomaly, I guess. I mean, because there's no, you. nobody's ever really been able to nail these elements. Closest thing I'd say is Galaxy Quest.
1: I can see that. They're definitely in the same vein. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things like when well, we're trying to be romantic comedy, we're trying to be physical comedy, um, buddy comedy, slapstick comedy. Oh yeah, we're also trying to be a light horror movie all in the
0: same movie. Right, and not insult your audience as well.
1: Right, I mean, and you know, like I said, with a runtime of only an hour and forty some minutes, that's a lot to cram into something like
0: right, and you know, and it's just how the story, how they had to do everything. It was basically like, you know, they had obvious. There was a lot more the to Dan Aykroyd getting blown by a ghost than just the blown by a ghost scene. There's. Which is still something I know some of my friends still fantasize about to this day. Well, I mean, it made it an ex machina. So, (laughs) but I
1: mean, even going to the opening scene of you know, Bill Murray, uh, doing the experiment with the um, goofy haired guy and the attractive blonde, yeah, you knew that you knew this was going to be something different, like you know. Sigourney Weaver says it best because she actually ad-libbed the line, you're more like a game show host because originally i was supposed to be more like a car salesman. But yeah, Bill Murray, you know, as a scientist is something that I never knew I wanted until I saw it. And he definitely brings just enough smarminess and smartassery and, you know, heart to that character to make it work. And you can tell right off the bat at the beginning of the movie that this, like, buckle in, we're going to have fun with this movie.
0: Mm, and uh, I, I guess he, um, yeah, Ghostbusters two, kind of a. It, it was good. Yeah,
1: it, it was. I, it, wasn't, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't the first one, but it was still good. I mean, it, right. it, it kept it kept the ingredients and it kept the formula that made the first one good. I'd explain it a little
0: bit but I still, I still like that movie oh no it's it's a retweet retread and it's like not until i buy my 4k blu-ray version of uh ghostbusters did i really realize yeah i mean it's not half the movie of ghostbusters but it it, it is ghostbusters like
1: i mean you know, it, it basically, uh, okay. For the big scene at the end, we're going to trade out a 50 foot marshmallow man with a statue of Liberty. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of rinse, wash, repeat. I do like the fact that, you know, they, they had Bill Murray starting from the ground zero uh, level with uh, the Sigourney Weaver character, Yeah, you know, trying to rebuild that. So, I mean,
0: Oh, I, it was, I, it I was a perfect was place to, to rebuild him as his, uh, television host thing i mean it's a full circle thing
1: exactly again going back to the game show host line from the first one now he's a smarmy talk show host dealing with you know semi-credible psychics
0: yes and um i don't know i'm a kurt fuller guy i can appreciate him You,
1: you can't go wrong with kurt fuller uh i remember the first movie i ever saw him in was no holds barred with hulk hogan yes
0: oh no as a uh I don't know. Well, no, it was weird. 89 was a weird year because (laughs) like we were what, I don't know. I guess it was probably Warner brothers told family channel. Yeah. Start rerunning the, the original Batman series. Oh yeah. And you know, that's 88. And my mom like wants us to take us all to Batman and she's never done anything against the rules. My little brother is three years old at this point. I'm nine. My older sister's 12 and like, oh no, we're going to see Batman. All right. That's cool. And then, uh, you say, um, all oh, right, Hulk Hogan, you know how much of a wrestling fan I am. Like you, you got me to go through this pre-diabetic shots and shit as a three, four year old by bribing me with Hogan toys. <laughs> um, Yeah. I gotta see this, and it's like, nope, nope, PG thirteen. Like, now the rule applies. But yeah, we'll go see Batman, which was a movie that should
1: not have been—I mean, should not have been allowed for children. Oh no! I mean, it's because I was probably eight. I was eight or so years old when I saw that, and it, it it scared the
0: shit out of me. Well, you know, that was the beauty. I guess that was the beauty of uh, Batman Returns. It course corrected my mom on that one. Oh yeah. Um, so that
1: it was it was more campy it was more cartoonish it was more in line with the target audience you know because you know parents back in 1989 when that movie came out like oh yeah because batman's on saturday morning cartoons you know yeah. the justice league and super friends and whatnot they kind of forgot about the frank miller comic books that these movies were loosely based on
0: yes um i think more alan moore uh, of course, more yeah of course kevin smith uh pointed out this on a dinner for five um what going back to tim burton and the um ape lincoln joke at the end of the 2001 remake yes a planet of the apes and i guess uh, smith had already done it in his comic books
1: yes he, he, he died in um his uh chasing dogma comic i believe
0: yes exactly no and uh i guess his publisher said hey do you want to put this on page six that yes tim Burton stole from you
1: oh yes and they're laughing and jovial and the you know, the, the hee don't translate the print very well
0: yeah but and then yeah, uh t- pissed. tim tim burton's pissed he responds i don't know what he's talking about i don't read comic books and then Kevin Smith's final retort was, "Well, that explains Batman." Exactly. Um, but eighty uh, nine, you had Ghostbusters too, and then you know dads are just so much cooler than moms if you have them <laughs> around, I guess. Because I mean, it's, it's a changing world. Um, my dad found UHF. He actually went and watched it himself before he let us watch it. But oh, wow. He was very he was very adamant on letting us watch it after he watched it so <laughs> again the pg13 and really all you can say is about that is the gandhi 2 and the conan the librarian were a little intense
1: now see here's the difference between your father and my father my father saw UHF, and we were banned from watching it in my house oh you see because my father has a uh low tolerance for stupidity and he oh, just okay he didn't think there's anything Funny about it, you thought it was stupid, and of course, at this point, I'm again. I'm about, I'm about eight years old. I already have three Weird Al Yankovic albums. Yeah, upstairs. That I'm listening to religious, and the fact that I couldn't watch that movie for many years, I didn't watch that movie till I was probably in my twenties.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like, still, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's still as good as it was back when I was a kid. I, I'll say that about it. Um, but. Uh, Going on about 1989, I guess, it was like Batman just kind of, I mean, Batman was, you know, 88, well, I think 87, 86, maybe even 85. There weren't $100 million grossing movies.
1: No, um, I mean, there there was good action movies in that time frame, but
0: as far as like the big blockbuster. Yeah, nothing, nothing, you know. Yeah. Nothing made over $100 million until uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit which
1: I'm again I was talking about how my father didn't appreciate UHF he didn't care for that one either but at least that one was allowed to be watched in the house because he figured it was a kid's movie because it had cartoons in it never mind all (laughs) the sexual innuendos oh no I I
0: I have my VHS copy from (laughs) yeah no I have not taken the time to frame by frame it but
1: I have, and it's not. Oh, it's cracked up.
0: Yeah, but you know, we're the generation that bought Girls Gone Wild DVDs. I mean, those Uh, are definitely not.
1: If I had a nickel for every time I woke up from a bender in the late '90s and heard one of those commercials on Comedy Central at one thirty in the morning, I could have retired
0: years ago. Well, as they said in basketball, you know, if I had a Nickel for every time Lazy Boy got me out of the jam. I'd have a shit ton of nickels. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ghostbusters is, I and mean, this is the movie that, you know, I think everybody kind of just thought Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and company, you know, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin we're all just going to be something you could laugh off and a flash in a pan. Sure.
1: And no, no, no one expected the legacy this movie would leave behind. I mean, it spawned multiple animated series, toy lines, sequels, yeah. you know, uh, say what you will about the reboot. And, uh, we're not going to go there.
0: Well, um, I, I it, that let's just say Sony puts that out with, Uh, free voodoo when you subscribe when you start your voodoo subscription or at least that's how i have a copy of it i haven't watched it it just seemed like an ill-advised idea like i can understand maybe having two female ghostbusters but unless this is gonna be bikini meets ghostbusters
1: i've seen the movie and I want to pre- preface this by saying I love every actress in that movie. I think they're all funny. I was excited to see the movie, I thought it was a, an interesting concept. They're just bound by, you the know, legacy or well, the, the legacy of the other one obviously is you know, a, a big boot to fill. Uh, you know, you don't want it to be in those shoes, but also poorly timed jokes and gags and you know, a lot of gross out humor and just. You know, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna try to play with the original, try you know going with the source material as opposed to hey, let's see how many times we can throw slime on this girl's
0: chest. Mm. Yeah, was it a straight up
1: reboot or? Yeah, yeah, it, it had nothing that yeah, it was a straight up reboot. It had nothing to do with the originals. Just, they did just they did, they did from, everybody. from stuff for like at the end of the movie there's a cut scene where they they're listening to some ghost radio and they're like hey what's zool you know pr- you know referencing the villain from the original movie kind of setting that up for the proposed sequel which never happened so yeah. i mean they were playing off the original with some you know lines and gags but it, it was its own movie okay because in, in fact um Aykroyd, um murray and uh um, drawing a at Eddie, uh, Ernie, Ernie, Re- Ernie Reyes. Uh, they all, uh, yeah, they, uh, Ernie, yeah, they're all in the movie, but they they play different characters. And there's even a statue of Harold Ramis to pay homage to him. But yeah,
0: I I don't know. I do. I mean, I hear I've heard you. you, you that's a movie that's just um spawns so many reactions. I guess is its issue. I,
1: well like, that and it, you know sony also hadn't had a big movie in a while so it was also you know you know they they just uh, signed over spider-man you know to marvel so they weren't getting all the money off that deal so it was, it was basically a cash grab
0: right right no go with go with what you know no don't i've had that argument with my older sister on this podcast before about you, yeah. you know you are not getting money on nostalgia right um but, yeah, Ghostbusters is just a uh, – I can't I just want to – there's just certain things you can't remake, really. Like, nobody's and, nobody's going to try Citizen Kane again.
1: Right, exactly. You're not going to see a Citizen Kane. You're not going to see, you know, Gone with the Wind re- remake.
0: Well, there's, there's good reason that there's not going to be Gone with well, the
1: I mean, Wind remake. Besides the obvious reasons on that.
0: Yeah, um, but – um shoot i had a thought um so yeah you can't you can't you can't go and um remake or reboot try to recapture if you're not um doing what you're i don't know well, i was i was basically going to say last last Two weeks ago on this podcast, I suggested Michael Pena is Scarface, but I would only want to see that if he's
1: playing the character he played in Ant Man.
0: Well, no, that's that's the inspiration for saying like Scarface is Michael Michael Pena's Scarface, but I mean, even with Scarface, though, that was weak, you know, limitedly derived from the original film. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. When it comes to remakes, it's like, why aren't we doing bad movies that we love? Right. Like,
1: again, not to harp too much on the Ghostbusters reboot. Um, like I said, I, I think the cast was a great cast. Like, I, it wasn't their fault. Like I said, I think it was crappy writing and weird, yeah. weird weird effects and stuff like that. Like I said, it, I never want to bag on anyone that was in that movie because, again, I, I am a fan of a lot of their other projects.
0: Right. Well, I think Chris Hemsworth has done enough bad stuff.
1: I don't know. I, I actually like the the thought of
0: having Chris Hemsworth play a complete bimbo in that movie. Well, no, no, no. I think that's, that's one of the draws to that movie, in all honesty. Like, because you got to move past, like, we're really going to restart this with girls and then oh, they are giving us chris chris hemsworth being dorky um i don't know it makes me further appreciate let's see which is the um the oldest brother who's on westworlds i think that's luke oh, hemsworth.
1: Yeah. not Liam, the other one no i
0: think it's luke um
1: yeah Dad, luke, yeah
0: yeah like you know, he's never made it big. I mean, the only thing I've seen him in besides Westworld is a uh Australian movie that's Simon Pegg was, had a supporting character in it called uh, Kill Me Three Times.
1: I've heard of that one and I know he's also done a couple direct to DVD westerns. Huh. Okay.
0: Um I mean, Kill Me Three Times it it's it's fun. It's I mean it's a it's a I'd have to rewatch it. I'm sure I ripped it onto my CD to my DVD. I got a windows 10 computer usually hooked up with old DVD software that hasn't been hardware that hasn't been picked up yet by the studios in terms of copyright protection, sure. <laughs> but uh, they have not been just to let the public know they have not been um, released publicly. <laughs> So they have not been redistributed. (laughs) I am not paying 250K. Which is one of those weird things. Like, you know, businesses get fined hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they'd rather put regular people in for five years and then throw that on them. Right. Yeah. just, Just a weird observation. But... I mean, the, I guess another beauty of Ghostbusters is like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, she was a legitimate actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wanted an actress, you'd get Sigourney Weaver. Absolutely. Yeah, usually but in a supporting role. But you know, this this movie put her on the map, though. Which is she done, she done aliens before that? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, alien. would, it, would aliens two have would aliens happened if it wasn't for Ghostbusters?
1: I think I think it would have uh, just because it, it was the 80s and we need you know the, that niche of the sci-fi action movie w- was definitely a thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree that um, Ghostbusters absolutely catapulted her career. Um, you know, it, it it made people realize. You know, think of all the uh, comedic roles she's had since then. It, you know you definitely wouldn't have had her in Galaxy Quest, Paul. You know, other uh, comedic roles she's had if she wouldn't have been in Ghostbusters.
0: Right. Well, I don't think it would have. I mean, I really think it. You look at what she did uh, Gorillas in the Mist, mm-hmm. Aliens. I mean, she's doing Oscar quality stuff right after Ghostbusters. Right. And can you really name a movie between 1979 and 1984 with Sigourney Weaver? I cannot yeah that's what i'm like so it gets weird it just gets weird uh (laughs) weird that what this movie did for so many i mean rick moranis great character actor but i don't think anybody would have i mean you got martin short around there why do you need another midget
1: well you know Rick Moranis was actually not even supposed to be in the original Ghostbusters. They originally wrote his role for John Candy.
0: Candy, yeah, and you no, know, Candy, yeah, I know Candy turned it down and well, told them to put Richards, uh, put Rick, Rick in there.
1: Yeah, he turned it down after he kind of was working with uh, the writers and um, Reitman. You know, he thought the character should be German. And he
0: yeah, used oh
1: yeah, no. and wearing lederhosen and yeah, it was it was completely different from what Rick Moranis brought to the table and. Again, I thought that I thought he was great in that part. He played a perfect little, you know, typical '80s yuppie nerd. Yep, with his vitamin pills and his accountant shit. And it, it, it was very always, it was always very- locking
0: himself out of his own apartment.
1: Yeah. you know, not not taking a hint. This woman who's far out of his league. Oh yeah,
0: with him. So, I, so I, in other words, I can blame Rick Moranis for why i was fixated on one girl in junior high through high school (laughs) dude we've all
1: been there yeah we we all that we all know we all have that one girl that like what what were we thinking yeah no way that was ever going to happen
0: well i don't know that i don't know if that was the case
1: thanks to 80s movies yeah we all probably had a shot
0: yeah anthony michael hall date raping yeah
1: (laughs) i was thinking revenge the nerves
0: well, you know, people people say "Revenge of the Nerds." Oh, it's so disgusting now when you think about it. And it's like, no, no, the word "revenge" is in the title, right? Like, nobody goes and see sees "I Spit on Your Grave,"
1: thinking it's going to be a wholesome family
0: film. Yeah, well, expecting like, oh, she's going to go and go and successfully go get her weight rape kit done the police are gonna do the right thing and immediately process it i don't know i mean with revenge of the nerds as
1: much as i love that movie it is on heavy rotation in my house for a while i i can see some of the criticisms you know as far as you know the date rape aspect and especially you know the the whole filming without consent taking pictures and putting them in pie tens it, yes. it gets i mean it has its cringe moments to it it's still a very funny
0: movie well I'm just saying if I'm thinking I'm not a vengeful person and I'd like to say that I am not, I do not, I do not practice evil in any way, but I can appreciate the art. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like I, it goes back, you know, it goes all the way back to porkies with, uh, (laughs) you know, the, I can't remember the character's name, but he was asking for it once he stuck his junk into the pipe. In the shower uh, pipe, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, and being somebody who's dealt with professional wrestling and the BS manhood attempts, which some would call sexual assaults. Sure. (laughs) You know, I I understand that. No, he didn't, you know, no, you don't ask for it, but... (laughs) He he! I mean, he definitely didn't expect to
1: have his penis damn near ripped off by a female gorilla gym teacher. Yes,
0: I think it's it's. But I guess I guess that's the double standard thing. Is like
1: I'm definitely saying gorilla.
0: He definitely got his comeuppance, but
1: yeah, you know, at at the end of the day, you put your pecker in a pipe hole. You're not expecting a PE teacher to damn near rip it out.
0: Yeah, no, not not some eighth rounder of the world bullshit. Or was she the ni- no? China was the ninth. China was the ninth. Yes, yes. Andre was the eight. Yeah. So, yeah. In the background, I just just for stimulation, I got Ghostbusters going on right now. So, okay. Yeah, uh, you know, you're gonna benefit. We're not gonna end up with a two parter because, like, okay, <laughs> no, credits are running. <laughs> got to wrap <it laughs> up. Um, so right now, uh we're at she's not my girlfriend <laughs> oh, what's your favorite I, I, what's your favorite scene in the original ghostbusters oh that's just it there's just so like there's I, a lot to see
1: from it's I can just mean- go
0: off on the I, I'm interested in her because she's a client you know she sleeps above the covers three feet above the covers <laughs> she barks she snarls she drools that that's a good one. Um,
1: one of my favorites, and uh, I, I quote this line often: uh, "They're in the mayor's office, you know, like dogs and cats yes, living, together, living together, together, mass hysteria." And to this day, if I, you know, something happens, instead of saying like "son of a bitch" or something like that, I go automatically to "mother pus bucket."
0: <laughs> yeah, but there's just so many great lines in that scene, you know, it's until true. until. Man, Till Dickless here shut off the grid. Yes. Is this true?
1: It's true, Your Honor. This man has no dick.
0: <laughs> That's what I heard.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's definitely one of those movies where the one-liners are plentiful, the scenes are memorable. Um, like I said, everybody was playing their character perfectly. Yes. You, know, you had the hopeful, eager, scientific guy with dan Aykroyd, you had uh the
0: straight man with uh um,
1: Harold Ramis. well i was gonna say ernie he was kind of your man oh. the, the well,
0: that's that's the interesting about ernie because that was supposed to be eddie murphy right so i like he's got some er- like, he, he, he might have god the god. best he might have the best lines you know mm-hmm. if somebody, he, somebody if tells you him, ask yeah. you if you're a god you say yes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: but yeah, and then he had, of course, the dry wit scientific guy with um, Harold Ramis. Yeah, and you know his, his scenes with Annie Potts were hysterical because she's basically doing everything with throwing her panties at the man. Yes, he's just oblivious. Right, not mold spores and fungus.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that was my the one thing I wish they would not have done with uh, Ghostbusters 2 is...
1: Oh, you, you wish they would have uh, expanded on their uh, possible relationship as opposed to having her go with Rick Moranis' character.
0: Right. I mean, okay, one, why are we putting her in a red wig? Uh,
1: that, I I blame that solely on how they drew her in the cartoon.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, the real Ghostbusters.
1: Yeah, yeah the cartoon came out before Ghostbusters 2, so that had a lot of influence. Basically, like, what can we do in Ghostbusters 2 to tie into the cartoon and sell more toys?
0: Yes, yeah. Um, I don't know. For me with Ghostbusters, I prob- my dad, again, my dad loved it. I mean, it's it's no Putney Swope, uh, but uh, like he watched it, and then he brought it down. He was going to show us a... I don't know what happened. It was like he didn't rewind it far enough back. It's straight up to the Marshmallow... Okay. And as a you know four-year-old seeing a flaming face by the end of that, I was totally freaked out. Oh sure. Yeah. I guess it wasn't till I was I guess it probably wasn't till the cartoon came out that like okay, I gotta I gotta actually see what this is.
1: Well see I I was exposed to the cartoon first because that movie came out when I was about two years old. Yeah. So I saw the cartoon and that got me to go see Ghostbusters. I actually saw Ghostbusters 2 before Ghostbusters. I was probably eight, nine years old before I actually saw Ghostbusters. Okay. So, yeah, it was a cartoon that drew me in, obviously, because, you know, I was, the, you know, I was a demographic for that cartoon. Oh, and of course, you know, the cartoon is going to have all the little kids go see the sequel. who pro- Most of those kids probably didn't even see the first one. Yeah, because... I
0: don't. I, yeah, I never. I, it's 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 weird now that I have a nephew and niece and Star Wars mm-hmm. and everything like. Right. Um, they probably
1: can't tell you anything about Return of the Jedi, but they can tell you all about Star Wars Rebels and
0: oh clones. yeah, no, I'm I'm trying to catch up on the Clone Wars now since I cut Comcast off, and it's like, all right, I guess I just have the uh, Disney Plus, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's um, and then that's also got some weird parental opinion decisions on my behalf, like I saw, like I will take a day off from work. To prep for a Star Wars release. Okay. And uh, so I went and saw Rogue One and, like, all right, this is all right. Pretty good. Yeah. Cassian andor shooting the informant. That's a little intense. But, you know, I've been giving my nephew lightsabers, toys, what have you. And then once Darth Vader goes and just hacks the hell out of, uh, the, the, the stuff of nightmares. That yes. scene, yes, like the, no it's can't, we've been hearing about for thirty years, and yeah. we finally get to see. Yeah, the can't, Lord of the Sith. yeah, can't can't let can't let my nephew
1: see that. Oh, I, I see. I'm the complete opposite. I took my nephew who was
0: six or seven at the time. Well, my year? nephew would have been let's see what four years old at the time. Like, okay that's a yeah that's a little much yeah oh no i now now it's like all right next time i'm visiting my parents i'm gonna put rogue one on <laughs> just 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 to see because he's had night star wars related nightmares i mean we're kids you know sure any yeah, any influence I mean, he didn't have to deal with gremlins i mean that's like i did not get i wasn't comfortable with gremlins until uh me and my uh ex-girlfriend saw it at the art theater <laughs> like,
1: oh wow yeah uh, no Gre- gremlins was one i never had a problem with like the, the only thing that kind of sca- like jump the jump scare stuff scared me yeah not yeah. so i'm not
0: a little, a, i'm not yeah. a jump scare horror guy i i prefer like yeah no i want to see what jigsaw is going to do to this guy
1: <laughs> i mean i appreciate a good jump scare yeah. there are some movies that you know horror movies especially in the late 80s early 90s relied too heavily on jump scares yeah but you know, like I said, I appreciate a good jump scare. Right. Um, like I said, Gremlins it has probably about three or four good ones. But mm-hmm. like I said, it's just one of those things. Like you're, you know, you're you're caught in with like dealing with these you know demonic muppets, and then all of a sudden there's a jump scare. So it kind of throws off your perspective. Yeah. So to
0: speak. Um, I mean, eighty four is eighty four was just one of the weirdest years in cinema because you end up getting this PG thirteen out of it. Well,
1: 84 was an interesting year in films because we had, look, look at the movies that came out around this time, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, and, you know, it, it was the start, of yeah,
0: yeah
1: it was the start of the special effects boom, you know, Saturday Night Live had been big for, you know, over 10 years at this point, so we were getting into, you know, the comedy aspect, we had raunchy comedies and aspects, you know, when we had, you know, talking about your Porky's and things like that. It it was just like I said, it was just kind of a convergence of all these things that made for very interesting films.
0: Yes, good or bad, right? No, I mean, as a as we established, like there there weren't blockbusters from Ghostbusters all the way till Who Framed Roger Rabbit,
1: and he, and even that movie, you know, again, it's again the convergence of sexual humor, special effects. You know, how do we get, you know, we got to get younger audiences in the theater. So again, let's bring in every cartoon character that a child's ever loved and put in one movie.
0: Yeah, no, Mickey Mouse around for twat jokes. That's, <laughs> I, you
1: know. Just the just, just, that just is, saying just that kind of, is,
0: you know, puts everything like, in perspective.
1: To be fair though, Bugs Bunny should have been the one making the twat joke. So if I think if any character would have made the twat joke, it would have been, Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck.
0: Yeah, no, but no, it's it's a Warner Brothers thing. We we can agree upon that, but I'm just saying neither of the Mickey Mouse
1: when you just wouldn't have
0: understood it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the point is Mickey Mouse didn't act Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, or Daffy. I mean, they left that up to Roger and the Rats.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Which it's kind of a shame we haven't gotten a sequel from that, because it's like you had enough original characters i think yeah, yeah. true fans
1: there was a planned uh sequel in fact if you go online you can actually uh see, see the script you no.
0: i i'm aware of that but it's like
1: yeah if, if you if you go on i believe low carb comedies website they actually do a script reading of Roger Rabbit 2 uh toon patrol or something like that and yeah. it's actually a, and the funny thing is it's actually a prequel it takes place before it takes place in world war 2 it was before Humphrey right? Run.
0: Okay. Weird thing. Yeah. No. I've seen. Yeah. We all saw what Walton Walton Warner Brothers was doing with World War II. Oh, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. So, but um... we've been all over the place. Yeah. No. Stuff. No. And, well, we're 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 we've basically, as I said, I I just need to get the content. So. I'm willing to work with the guests however I can. I've got this guy Ooh. who hasn't responded yet. Like, I've called him out on the podcast. I've gone and texted him. Like, come on, man, you want to do Batman? Because you thought this was called 90s for chill. <laughs> like, no, I'm not gonna do no. we look, you you can you can just talk about you if you go from do you take Danny Elfman, you go to Pee-wee's big adventure, you go to Beetlejuice, which would be a great combination if we could somehow work Beetlejuice versus the Ghostbusters.
1: Oh wow! Uh, I mean,
0: they... I mean well, it's Beetleju- Sony. It, it it's, it's
1: Warner Brothers. Ju- time.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't work. No, you, you can't you can't make it happen. I don't know. Sony Sony doesn't really have a uh, streaming service. Really, Crackle don't count.
1: No, I said, yeah, it's weird because they're kind of like the last ones to the dance on this, you know, well, everybody well, else.
0: Well, yeah, no, OK, nobody takes Lionsgate seriously,
1: but. Well, no, I don't even think people at Lionsgate take Lionsgate seriously.
0: They're, they're a great distributor. I think I think they have most of the A24 stuff. So. Uh, first Punisher movie.
1: <laughs> not 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 the one with uh war zone yeah.
0: you know war zone with uh ray stevenson that's that's i mean they they have their horror movies but it's yeah i i can i when you say when you think lionsgate and you think horror movies you understand why they're not getting in the streaming game
1: i i want i want to go back and correct myself Hasselhoff was in the nick fury movie Dolph Lundgren. It was in
0: the Dolph. It was in the, yeah. Dolph
1: Lundgren. I want to correct my 80s icon Marvel. Well, you see, I'm a
0: huge, uh, I have not watched either of them and I'm a huge Louis Gossett Jr. Apologist. So it's kind of like,
1: I don't think there's much. You have to really apologize for for a lot of his movies. I I mean, they're, 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 they're good movies.
0: Iron Eagle three and four. They're good movies. If you're hammered. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good in Boardwalk Empire for his one season. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess since we're on this, and I'm just pulling something from the rewatchables, they've just gotten up to the uh to the sea to the roof. Okay. Um, could Ghostbusters be remade in a ten episode Netflix series? Hmm. <clears throat> An argument can be made for maybe eight. I don't know if you could stretch it to 10. Okay, well, but the point of the matter is, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm a big cinema guy, but it's almost to the point where it's like television. I mean, as long as you're spending you're spending movie dollars on television, it works out.
1: Well, movie dollars and television doesn't always, you know, equate to good television because, you know, I could always bring up the final season of game of
0: thrones, but that, that I've, you blame that one on the producers, not wanting to actually just wanting to close the book so they could do their. What if the Confederacy one series, which immediately got canceled the moment they said, yeah, that's what we're doing next.
1: I mean, you know, even, um, I don't know if you were a fan of the TV series sons of anarchy, but as soon as that show is over, they basically gave the showrunner carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. And he did a medieval show called the bastard executioner and it barely limped through its first season. Oh you know, you like yeah. It,
0: no, it's it,
1: like success doesn't go hand in hand.
0: Yeah. But sons of anarchy didn't have the mood movie budget necessarily. No, it had, the, it had the movie talent.
1: Like it definitely had talent behind the screen and in front yeah. of the screen. But yeah, as far as the budget, yeah, it definitely was a little shoestring because they spent it all on uh, fake tattoos and um, cgi in Ron Perlman's face onto a stunt rider since he was terrified of motorcycles. <laughs>
0: um, I guess I guess what that goes down to is like, I bring up Westworld, I guess, and that's what I would think you'd want kind of to have a vibe with Ghostbusters. In a
1: okay, I can see that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Westworld definitely is a movie budget on a... I mean, could you, but the question then becomes
1: kind of like the Jeff Goldblum thing from Jurassic Park, just because you could, could. doesn't mean you should. Like, could like could you make it to the Ghostbusters series? Absolutely. Should you? Probably not.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know how much I, after doing a binge for my Jeff Goldblum episode of the podcast, because <laughs> he he's such a talent, you need to give him that extra 30 minutes. Oh, sure. I mean, he really, you have the fly. That's why that, um, I mean, when it comes to brevity. Sure. You have the fly. Uh, You I have not seen Earth Girls are easy, but that's still an hour 41.
1: I love how dumb that movie is.
0: Yeah,
1: it's, a, it's, it's one of those movies. You turn your brain off. You look at Gina Davis and McKinney in the early 80s.
0: Oh, well, late 80s, but
1: no, yeah, early, late. Yeah, I guess it was more late 80s. You know, Damon, Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey are your supporting cast. Let that sink in for a Two of the biggest comedy names of the '90s were your were your background comedy characters.
0: Right. Well, I guess when it comes to Jeff Goldblum, it's still like, I mean, he was gold in Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. And that that's that's slightly long. It's almost to the point with this podcast to make it work. It's like. You know, if I probably watched the, you know, time the credits on Ghostbusters, since it was so much special effects and such, Mm -hmm. the credits may have pushed it beyond the.
1: Oh, yeah. The the credits tack on close to 10 minutes.
0: Well, I mean, in the 80s, I think it was closer to five, six minutes, because I think my older sister was saying like Little Mermaid had the longest credits for a while.
1: Yeah, well, anime movies generally do have longer credits.
0: Yeah, but yeah, it's it's Miller time. All right, that's where we're at. <laughs> okay.
1: I don't know. I never pictured that. I never pictured that ensemble drinking Miller. I always seen like Murray would be drinking like some sort of cheap Scotch. Harold Ramis would be doing like. I'm sure craft brew was still a th- was still probably a thing in the early '80s. He would be drinking a craft
0: brew in New York. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. You know, um, Ackroyd would try to act like a big guy and drink uh, tequila shots, but only get about two of them in. And um, Ernie would sit back and just watch the white guys get wasted.
0: Yes. Yes. I was about to say don't 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 say a cult man.
1: No, I wouldn't I wouldn't gonna go with the um stereotypical slam duck of a Colt 45. We're not talking about Billy D. Williams.
0: Yeah, well, but it's like if Billy Wee D. Williams is on this scene, though, I think we're all drinking drinking Colts. And I don't drink beer. <laughs> um it's it's uh have you seen anything from Afterlife? Because I saw this thing on Twitter where Ivan Reitman, and now Jason Reitman is a mm-hmm. brilliant director.
1: Yeah, yeah, Jason. Well, he he did Juno. That was yeah. kind of his start.
0: Well, I and... mean, actually, thank you for smoking was before Juno.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. One.
0: Yeah, and he's. I mean, he knows how to capture Diablo Cody. I yeah. mean, Diablo Cody probably would be. I think she's got probably got the talent, but she's definitely
1: right right
0: right yeah no she's not a director at this point and i think uh critics will agree
1: a little bit of the, like the trailers and stuff i've seen for afterlife i de- i definitely like it definitely has the spirit of the original which gives me hope um i like kind of the fact that almost everyone kind of has forgotten it they existed you know yeah. being almost 40 years after the fact
0: right well, I the one thing I've seen was like Ivan Reitman showing a clip to Bill Murray of like Paul yes. Rudd.
1: Yes, Paul Rudd and the Mini Marshmallow Man.
0: Yes, and like no, that was like the Mini Marshmallow Man. That's that's my kind of humor. That is like
1: oh, sure, absolutely.
0: This is Joe Dante stuff, you know?
1: Right, right, right. Like
0: roasting each other, making like
1: yeah, like and being happy about it. That was the part that got yes. me. Yes, they're roasting the little bastard, and he's laughing about it. I'm like, yes, this is what I need right now.
0: It's it's what Kevin Smith was trying to do with yoga hosers.
1: Oh yes, the Bratzies. Uh I'm a I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, almost uh, almost apologetically so. And I I enjoyed most of yoga hosers. Yeah. Like I wish they would have focused more on like the clerks aspect of it, of focusing more on the girls in the convenience store. Yeah. As opposed to the weird satanic Nazi part of it.
0: But how do you put Johnny Depp in a convenience store? That just seems way too ordinary. Like you got the best out of him in the convenience store when he did the in uh, Tusk. Yes. Like and I, I think
1: if, I'm thinking if they hadn't done that scene in Tusk, they probably could have made it work in Yoga Hosers. But yeah. you're right; they, they'd already kind of gone to the well with that in um, Tusk when they were trying to find um, the. Uh, uh, title character
0: yeah justin long right
1: Thank
0: you. i was drawing a blank yeah. on you. yeah like oh they did that in uh, big lebowski oh yeah. yeah oh yeah that's where i got it from <laughs> but uh thank god for tarantino throwing in the uh depp kid and harley quinn into um once upon a time in hollywood if you i
1: i'm I will go ahead and out myself right now. I'm one of the six people on the planet that has not seen that yet.
0: Oh, uh, I've only seen it once, and I regret like every time I bring it up because it's that, like, oh, I really do need to watch it again. Well, it's long as shit, isn't it? Oh, it's probably a good 240, 250,
1: yeah. I, I'm closing on the three-hour mark.
0: It doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like it.
1: I'll, I'll say that. What I have with a lot of Tarantino movies is – I enjoy the dialogue, but at the same time, like *Inglorious Bastards* is always the example I bring up. Oh no, I I
0: ripped off—I rip off a lot of stuff from Tarantino when I wrote my zombie screenplay. So,
1: there's only like five. If you really think about it, there's only like five scenes in in *Inglorious Bastards*. They just—they just all go on for 25 minutes and it's took a block full of dialogue.
0: Well, it's it, you could say the same thing about Reservoir Dogs. You have the table scene, and then it's just a flat, just a Wait, series the of flashbacks.
1: That, the that movie's edited with the flashbacks, and you know, the action sequences and whatnot. That one, that one, I think has a better flow to it. Mm-hmm.
0: In no, my opinion, no, I I, can, I definitely can see that. Like you're, you, are you got to be in like you. you Tarantino doesn't give you a choice. You have to be all in on whatever he does.
1: I'm not bashing Tarantino movies. I actually love Hateful Eight. And that that one, again, like *Inglorious Bastards, that only really has about five or six scenes in it.
0: Yeah. No, he's a guy who's in love with his dialogue more than anything. Which is a pity, because I think Bastards, he finally showed that he... I mean, he showed he wasn't really a great director, I would even say, with uh Rest of Our Dogs, Jackie Brown, or Pulp Fiction.
1: Well, that, that, those are also happen to be his first three movies as
0: well. Right, but I'm just saying, it's like, he's a... I mean, he's a right He's the probably the best writer in Hollywood.
1: I, I, I can argue with that. I can go with that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, so it's like, for me, *Inglorious Bastards and uh, Kill Bill 1 and 2, like, Oh, he's finally showing that he's got some direction, and um, I think that all kind of culminates with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Um. But.
1: Well, I always, I always bring up the Robert Rodriguez tangent on that. Like, it seems like for every Robert Rodriguez movie Tarantino's in, his next movie shows a little bit more direction. It's like, uh, you know, he he, you know, Rodriguez rubs off on Tarantino, and Tarantino movies get better.
0: Yeah, no. I, I, hey, I can even say that. Like, I'm a, I'm a death proof apologist. Like, I, lo- I love death proof. Yeah,
1: death-proof. Uh, I
0: love like, I mean, you, you, the problem with death proof really is that it was in the grindhouse, and it's like, no, you need to see the full version of death proof.
1: Right. I've seen both versions. I, I like both versions, but yes, definitely the fuller version is a little bit better.
0: Right. Right and um which you know basically you know after the 10th movie all we're really going to have right now in hollywood i guess would be at least from a north american standpoint would be reitman and fincher fincher you got got pta but you don't know when he's going to do something
1: i would say yeah it you know people say you can sort of watch the things with paul thomas anderson movies you can set a grandfather clock to them
0: yes you can there's no question uh, except with punch drunk love that one is like we did uh two weeks of sandler podcast recently so it's like <laughs> punch drunk love is the one exception. i mean is i guess i would say if you want to get introduced to us pt anderson and you're not somebody who's totally into quirkiness <laughs> Punch drunk love is the way to do it. It's like, as uh, Joe Goinsor said, um, it's like that should have been a that that's he he felt it was. And I have not seen Magnolia. I own it, but I I
1: have up, not seen, I, will, I have not seen that one as well. That's coming just, up it, with
0: three and a half hours to watch it is just
1: right. Right. It, it, just it, the yeah, entire
0: it, it, the entire point of ninety for chill is like you don't have the time to get to get yourself in a binge on TV, you need something more than one episode. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're really going to have like three directors, Paul Thomas Anderson. Well, I guess you could say Christopher Nolan, depending on which side of the Atlantic wants to claim him. Cause sure. it gets really weird when you see his brother, Jonathan Nolan, it's like that guy is a Yankee. <laughs>
1: You, you, you talk about which side wants, you know, it's a lot like Guy Ritchie movies. You know, oh. some, movies, some movies he makes for the American audience and other movies are so British they need subtitles.
0: Yes. Oh, no. And those are the ones I prefer personally. But, but, um, all right. So Murray's got the girl directed by Ivan Reitman is up there. So I think got,
1: that's got the. the Good Ghostbusters song going on, and everybody's happy
0: now. Yeah, you know that's that was my biggest thing coming into this. It's like, how can I get this below, get this into the ninety for chill time frame, under a hundred minutes? Like, do I cut the Ghostbusters montage? See, know, kind of, I was kind of—I always enjoyed like the montage like that at the end of a movie that just
1: shows the characters.
0: Well, it's not—it's not—it's not the character bit. It's no, it's like after they. Um, capture slimer
1: oh that 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 yes
0: yeah you need the montage there's no question there yeah after the montage you you can
1: cut it right
0: well no but i'm just saying you kind of need the montage because you got to show that these guys got established oh yeah so it's so it's it's that's the only thing i think you can cut from this it's like and it's almost like i want them to like, I've seen this scene of the two homeless guys arguing, yeah. Bill Bruce Lee versus you know, um, and talking
1: about get a good power forward for the Knicks. And-
0: yeah. So, but um, no, I mean, it, it's just more and more you want, you think back to you go, know, so there's more and more timeless you think it is. I mean, you realize sure. it is. You
1: know, know, a lot of the scenes that were cut from the movie, you know, going back to that, you know, were were small things, like small little things like, you know, Rick Moranis going up to Sigourney Weaver going, did we? And she's like, no, Lewis, no. Yes. holy did not bone on top of the skyscraper.
0: No, 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 no. I do remember that being filmed and cut. It's kind of the stuff that, you know, that was filmed and you know, that was, no, that was written in the, the problem with the time you know like oh yeah we're running out of money since we had yeah. to invent everything
1: yeah we had to get a giant marshmallow suit
0: yeah like um, I mean the entire going back to the uh, ghost blowjob yes it's like there there was supposed to be an entire set whole piece
1: season, yeah yeah it was, to, it was supposed to be a much larger portion of the film than the uh, 10 seconds we got
0: yeah so I mean but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just you rarely get something as brilliant as Ghostbusters, something so perfect.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's a movie that still holds up. I was watching it on TV literally two days ago. It was on, uh, oh, I can't remember what channel it was on, but it was on, and that's one of those movies I'll even watch with the commercials. Like, yeah. I love the movie that much. Like, if it's on TV, I'm watching it. I got the DVD.
0: Well, I'm I'm more of the type who, like, when my uh, girlfriend was, caught me watching Goodfellas, like on BBC America, it's like, you know what? Screw this. I have this on digital. <laughs> Let's switch the input <laughs> and go from there. But if it wasn't on TV, I wouldn't go and be like this snooty cinema snob. Like, sure. Yeah. I mean,
1: well, and the fact that, you know, 40, almost 40 years after that movie came out, we're still excited about a, you know the third installment of of that trilogy timeline. You know, not counting the right, all female right. version. You know, like I said, 40 years and it's still holding up. We're still excited for more. It's still, I would say, it's just as popular as it now as it was then.
0: Right, but I think what it comes down to is you have to realize though, if it wasn't for Meatballs, and right, it wasn't for Caddyshack and Animal House.
1: Yeah, if it, if it wasn't for all those Saturday Night Live movies from back, you know, back in that time frame, if it wasn't for that, you know, that cast, those act, you know, those comedians, yeah, we wouldn't have that.
0: And it, it it's kind of nuts that we have. I mean, I guess you could say with some Will Ferrell movies, we kind of gotten that, like Ricky Bobby. I'll give you old school. No, Anchorman. Yeah. I-
1: you, you hit a weird. I, I mean, this is going to get me in so much trouble with some of my comedy friends. I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan. I, I love him on Saturday Night Live. His movies, not so much.
0: No, no, I totally understand the disconnect there. It's he's a he's definitely a writer more than he
1: is. I I love him on Saturday Night Live, and, you, and even you know when he would come back and do guest spots or host. You, you know when he would have these films, I enjoyed his work on Saturday Night Live more than I did. Talladega Knights it more than but,
0: you know the Enderman movies more, but uh, he but he's he's his uh he's a character actor. Oh yeah, and no, there's no way he should have had all these leading you know these projects oh, yeah. yes. like, and the, and I and I definitely understand the disconnect there, um, but uh, but even then with that with him it's like he's the only Saturday Night Live guy really doing anything from that period
1: um yeah for the most part you know a lot of guys from that early early mid 90s uh tr- tried you know and didn't do too well i'm looking at you chris katan yeah um,
0: i'm just saying it kind of shows how like we're not going to get a go the best thing you the closest thing you had to ghostbusters was ghostbusters answer the call where you had where you had a yeah i i it's like steve martin i didn't think i you know it took me a moment to realize oh he was never a cast member no so synonymous with the show still right and And i guess you could say melissa mccarthy had that
1: yeah melissa mccarthy had that you know she she was cast adjacent yeah kind of like like even with harold Ramis he was never really part of the live but kind of adjacent
0: no, he was definitely like, "Oh, there's that there's that Second City show."
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously the argument's being made if it wasn't for Second City, whether it be the one north of the border in Canada or the one in Chicago, we wouldn't have Saturday Night.
0: Live. Oh no, no, that's that's like that's the ultimate irony. The most New York thing is a prod product of
1: Chicago and Toronto. And
0: Toronto. Well, and you can say L.A. with the Groundlings, but
1: sure. I mean, Groundlings has you know they've had lots of Saturday Night Live uh, yeah.
0: as well. But um, yeah, I don't. I just it's just what really weird looking back on it, and this kind of brings us to the base that I'm selling this podcast on. <laughs> the uh, Reitman, Ramis, Murray, y- you know, we're getting the Ghostbusters. I think if you're right. a smart, smart, smart guy, like. You're not going to talk okay. about Ghostbusters, regardless of your rules.
1: Sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, going going back to like you said with meatballs and Caddyshack, Animal House, you know, from there, all roads lead to Ghostbusters. Like, it yes. was going to happen, it had to happen,
0: right? And it's just weird that we haven't. I'm just saying, it's just really when you stop and look at it, it's weird we haven't had something like that happen since. Well,
1: I mean, you know, there, you you go on a whole tangent of you know as far as what is funny now as opposed to what was funny 40 years ago, what you can get away with then that you maybe can't now.
0: I'm one of the types who just basically good. Like I think Mel Brooks has been paranoid about his kind of comedy working. It's like, no, if you nail it, you just,
1: you just, you have to
0: just nail it if
1: if somebody walked into you know a movie
0: office today with the script of blazing saddles there's no way that movie gets made. well there's no way that well but i'm there's no way a major studio is gonna make it sure um but just what i'm just saying and it hardly got made to begin with anyhow they had to like richard pryor got cut out of that movie
1: well it's funny like you know, people realize that Richard Pryor was a writer on that movie and you would think a lot of the stereotypical uh, African-American stuff is what he wrote. He wrote most of Mongo's scene, like Mongo just pawn and game of life. That was Richard Pryor.
0: Yes. No, I mean, he's, I mean, he, he was, but I'm just saying like the sheer fact that Richard Pryor was attached to a movie about racism. No, I'm just saying you have to like, if you nail the comedy, Oh sure, it can be done, which I think it's just like okay. So comedy is a greater challenge now than it was. Okay, I'll give 40 you that. years ago. So, yeah, no, I and fully acknowledge bleeding heart liberal, but man, like I think it was a it was a um, we were doing Cards Against Humanity at the bank. Okay, and then whatever it was, if you could choose to end something, and then there, one of the one of the cards was racism. And it's like. And it was my choice on which card one. And it's like this. What do you mean it's not racism? I I I can't help but laugh a little bit. I mean,
1: racist humor when done right is very funny. Yeah, as I said, you
0: just have to nail it. You can't miss. Sure. Yeah.
1: Like when when you when you miss, we get things like pooty tang.
0: Yeah right
1: soul plane stuff like that yes yeah
0: so that that's where i get off on comedy but um so yeah i'm just looking at the guy staring out of the uh ecto one right now somehow there's no way a reflection of those three people in the driver's side window can work so (laughs) but uh Thank you very much, Andrew T.D., for uh, coming on to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, man. Yep. Uh, where can they find you on social media? Do you have anything to promote? Um, I have nothing to promote on social media. You can find me on
1: Facebook and uh, at Andrew T.D. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at uh, ClassWatch. And um, I have 25,000 followers on TikTok at The couchman.
0: So oh to, right. Well,
1: yeah. I, 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 I don't do much with my day except make TikTok videos. So I'm essentially a teenage girl.
0: Dang, I I didn't realize it was actually. You know, it it. I thought I was a younger man's game, but. I gotta, no,
1: I I am, I am thirty nine years old here in a couple weeks, and yes, I spend way too many time, my too many hours a day on TikTok. But I'm, I'm more than I care to admit.
0: Well, that's if anything that's my regret for being being more of a right wanting to be more of a writer than a performer (laughs) like um because i don't uh yeah um i don't know i can perform like if you give me something like i've been in stupid dance-offs and wrestling rings like we're gonna do the kid and play oh yeah okay yeah well okay um like i've never actually seen any of those movies man and it's like okay no we can hit it <laughs> and i'll nail it and then no, i'll be the I'm promoter in the
1: of, head. i'm of the thought that all comedians are narcissistic attention whores and that's why we do what we do we just want people oh, to look no, at and that,
0: i can definitely tell you that i am i am amongst you at least in terms of the diagnoses <laughs>
1: Wrestlers and comedians, you know, they're, the parallels between the two are so close it's not even funny.
0: Oh no, it's 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 really just the difference of punchlines, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Yes. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Great talking to you. Uh, if you got another idea, let me know about it. Love to have you back. Thank you very much. All right. Can I hear a wahoo? This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man.
1: (laughs) Boy.